We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world. And we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. On April 14th, 2023, the studio cast recording of Clico, a revolutionary musical, drops. And I have had the pleasure to listen to a couple of the songs already, and they sound great. And not only because of the creators and the beautiful songs I wrote, but also because of our two guests today. Joining us are the arrangers and orchestrators of the Clico album. Let's learn more about this project from today's guests, Matt Castle and Frank Galgano. Hello, Frank and Matt. How are you? How are you? Awesome. I can't, I'm looking forward to learning more about uh, the project and, and how you were involved with it. Cause like I said, I listened to a couple of songs already. They sound great. So congratulations on Thank that. You. First of all, now, before we dive into Clico, I, I want to uh, get a 30 second bio of each of you because the guests might not know who you are. So Frank, let's start with you. The pressure's on who is Frank in 30 seconds. Um, I'm Frank Galgano. I am an orchestrator, arranger, record producer, composer, lyricist, actor, director, musical director. I like to wear a lot of hats and I like to wear them all at the same time. Uh, and uh, yeah, been doing most of those things for the last 15 years, but acting for the last 30 something years, 33 years, something like that. So always been a theater fan and a theater like theaters in my blood so i can't escape it no matter how hard i try yeah. <laughs> matt who are you in 30 seconds i'm a musician first but i, I do a lot of the same things that frank do, uh, does we have a, a lot of overlap in our venn diagram we both came to new york to be actors we both did that for a while we both don't do it much anymore but but uh, we bring what we learned by being actors into our work uh, as orchestrators. So um, my background is primarily in music, as I said, first in education, and then I got a second degree in composition and uh, get to use what I did in school all the time and uh, get to use what we do together all the time. Very nice. Very nice. So let, let's dive right into uh, Clico. How did the two of you get involved with this project? We... So we've done a bunch of uh, work for the graduate musical theater writing program at NYU. Um, in their second year, they do a really cool thing where they pair the writers with designers of all different disciplines so that you can learn how to collaborate with costume designer, choreographer, lighting, orchestration, director. So they get sort of a brief but intense introduction to what all of those disciplines do. and. The ones that get paired with orchestration, which is what we've done like six or five or six years, Sometimes, yeah. um, we actually get to orchestrate three songs. So uh, these three different teams bring us three songs from their show and we get to discuss the show and figure out what they're going for. And then we actually get to do like a synth mock-up of an orchestration for them and share it with the whole class. Most of the other ones they just discuss the discipline, but we actually get to get our hands dirty and play and collaborate with the writers. So 
we met Lisette Gladowski, one of the two writers of Clicquot. Uh, she sang one of the songs we had orchestrated for a different team, um, but we didn't meet her as a writer. We just met her as, a, as someone who was singing. Um, but then when they were looking for someone to work on arrangements and orchestrations for Clicquot, she and Richie both, uh, Richie Walter, Richard C. Walter, <laughs> the other writer, they write all the things together. Um, they both remembered meeting us and seeing us do our master class at NYU. So that um, so Laurie reached out to us, Laurie, who's the director, choreographer, and producer of the show, reached out and to see if we'd be interested in working on the show. And sorry. At the, well, at the moment she called, we happened to be on a road trip in France in the Champagne region. So she called and said, I have a project I wonder if you'd like to be involved with. It, it's about Veuve Clicquot. Do you know what that is? We said, boy, do we. <laughs> we were at the time, maybe 50 miles from Rems, where the where Veuve Clicquot's home base is. It was pretty serendipitous if you can. <laughs> wow. Like, there was no way you were getting away from this project. <laughs> like, there's no way yeah. you could have said, oh, that's crazy. And we we instantly loved the idea of what the show was about just from our brief conversation with Laurie, but also the more we dug into reading about uh, Barb Nicole Clicquot and her entire crazy history, we just were, we were in, there was no question. Um, and then we heard the music and we're, <laughs> we were really hooked, so. How does it work when you when you get the music? How does that work the the dichotomy with with the creators and the orchestrators and arrangers? It varies a lot from from project to project. I would say every combination is unique, just as every writer and writing team is unique. Uh, in the case of this show, they gave us a bunch of materials to work with. Uh, they gave us a script, which is essential because we have to know the story. Ultimately, what we're doing is serving the story by focusing the sounds of the orchestra uh, to direct the audience's attention emotionally um, towards uh, what veins in the music we want them to be responding to uh, and what words of the lyric, what uh, what aspects of the character and the moment we want them to, to be focused on from moment to moment to moment throughout every song. So the script is the foundation that all that is built on. And then um, the score we got from them was written for a single piano player, plus all the voices. Um, and uh, we uh, we also got materials from them in the form of recordings of performances they had done. They had a couple of studio demos of them performing, of some singers who were friends of theirs performing, they had a concert performance they did. They had a reading they did. So we had a lot of versions of some songs. The show had been, has been in development for I think five years at this point, maybe six. So when we came on board about a year ago, we were, the show was already pretty far along. Um, so this is about the time in a show's development where we usually get brought on board. Um, and so they say, here's what we've been doing. Here's what we're going for. Here's the sound we have in mind, the size of the orchestra we think is right for the production that we intend. Um, what are you guys here? What are you, what do you feel like, you know, asking us, like, what do we think it needs 
to achieve that ultimate goal. Um, and like Matt said, there's a lot of information from the text, the libretto, but also the lyrics. Um, there's text and subtext, but then the music adds more layers that we can sort of steer the curves. We can play with the text or we can play against it. It, it can run on a lot more levels than just what the language can do on its own. Um, and the more instruments and layers we have, the more intricate and complex it can be. Or, you know, we can strip away to just piano occasionally and be really simple. Um, it, we have a lot to play with. What you guys do is boggles my mind. I'll be brutally honest. Like, I, I've written, like, piano, right? I've written a show. But what you guys do is, as orchestrators and arrangers, are, you're not just you're taking a show you you're almost writing new songs with it because you're instrument you're creating all the instruments you also have to follow along with whatever somebody else has already created um yeah how like how like how you listen you... a lot of it is listening to them like listening yeah. to the writers and and the other designers because we want to make often most writers in musical theater they write a really good piano part and a really good vocal, but mm -hmm. they don't know how to write a violin part or a drum part. Like that's not a, it's just a lot of extra specialization. So, but we have to, we have to follow their lead. Otherwise we are writing a whole other song. It would be, it would be a, a real transformation in a bad way if we just went off and worked in a vacuum. Um, but we also want to make sure that our designs, because the orchestration is, I, we both think of it as a design element, um, like lighting or scenic. So we need to also hear what everybody else is planning. What is it going to look like? What are the costumes? Are they going to be modern with a period, like a hint at the period? Or are they going to be super authentic? Like Then we can sort of calibrate how much we need it to sound like the 1700s or how much it needs to sound like 2023. Uh, yeah <laughs> and all the degrees in between exactly um because there's really no such thing in in my opinion there's no such thing as really period music because we don't have the ears of 1809 who have never we, heard lady gaga or we, we, we <laughs> michael jackson right we can't forget the things that we know so no matter what there's a uh the audience stands in two points in time the time that the story is happening and now which is the vantage from which we experience the story. That's just a fact that there's no escaping. So, so that means to us, modern sounds are available as long as it doesn't take the audience out of the experience of the story. Um, it should, any sounds that we use are intended to root the audience in the experience of the story, put them there and keep them there. So how did you balance with Clico between a more modern sound and a more sound of the time we took our cues from the score itself um and from the the range of characters for instance napoleon bonaparte is a character in the show and he he goes through quite a transformation from beginning to end he starts as a, a demagogue who's telling the people exactly what they want to hear to mobilize them and get them to rise up against the the um aristocracy the aristocracy and then as time goes on and he becomes complacent and drunk with power, he, he becomes abusive and terrifying. 
uh, and a monster. And then finally, when he's vanquished, he he just kind of disappears and there's a, a vacuum left in his wake, which is exactly what our heroine needs to um, to affect her her final big victory of the show. Um, so we we wanted to kind of represent him as a badass at the top, like kind of a rock star. So there's a hint of electric guitar. And it's buried in the orchestra. You wouldn't hear it and be like, this is like being at a, a heavy metal concert. You you would not think that consciously, but you would hear that sound kind of buried in the texture of the orchestra. Wrestling power just beneath the surface. Yeah. Um, a lot of we, drums for him too. Yeah. yeah. And, and we also talked a lot about the, we talked a lot about inspirations that Lis, Lisette and Richie had when they were writing the show. Like what other music do you think it not what does it sound like exactly but what other orchestras do you think are right for this show what what shows have a similar pit to what our show will have um it's a lot of and a lot of trial and error because unlike a scenic design where you can sketch it up and say here's kind of what it's going to look like our our work doesn't mean anything until somebody else till a lot of other people play it on instruments so there's a lot of terrible synth sounds coming out of a computer going i promise you it'll sound better than this you know that's the basic way we can demonstrate it and then we get there on the day and we have 13 musicians playing it for the first time all together and suddenly the thing it it's becomes what it truly is <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of faith and a lot of trust was there a song in, that you guys recorded that just flowed out with came to you so naturally? And then was there a song that just went, I'm having such a difficult time with this? Yeah, we've had a couple of both. Um, the simplest ones to to really stick, I think, are the ones that are not pastiche, but that are uh, inspired by a, a specific style. Um, there's one that needs to feel très français. That, that needs to feel like this is a French person talking about champagne to other French people. Like, um, and it, it, the song is in two, four, like uh, it's this kind of merry festive, something like you would hear from the Merry Widow or Orpheus in the Underworld. It's a, a, a bubbly piece of music um, that was really easy to land because we had a lot of musical vocabulary to draw from the accordion, um, the woodwinds during a lot of twinkling and flourishing, harp glisses, that sort of thing, uh, frothy. Mm -hmm. um, and the other number that comes to mind that was really straightforward in that regard was when the French people at the vineyard meet the Russian soldiers who are on uh, the warpath, kind of destroying everything in their way. We wanted those two musical worlds to collide and then unexpectedly get along and coexist. So there's a lot of the same... French things that you heard in the other number that I was just talking about, which is called luxury, which is called luxury meeting the heaviness of an all male choir. Um, like uh, the soundtrack for a hunt from red October was one of our inspirations for that. Uh, with, I don't know if you remember that movie from the nineties with the men's choir singing in Russian um, and uh, heavy strings playing low notes in unison uh, bravura trumpet writing um, what else? Uh, well, our again, we took our cues from the writers because when Barb Nicole sees the Russians, she hears the Russians invading neighboring vineyards and destroying 
raping and pillaging and just just taking out other like all her neighbors she says you know what i'm gonna greet them i'm not gonna let them attack i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on the street and give them some wine so that they'll just party with us and not destroy everything i'm trying to create and she greets them in russian so from the very beginning of the song it's that you know we're we're getting the cue that it's this french woman putting on her rush her best russian performance to welcome these guys and the song kind of blends those two cultures together so we were able to take inspiration from a lot of like russian dance troops there's a lot of great stuff on youtube watching these guys do crazy leaps and things and the way the the things are orchestrated and the the sort of grooves that they use we we're able to infuse that into what we did and weave in other melodies from the show to give us, to make it sound like this is a big dance number from this brand new musical. So you want to hear tunes that you, you know, you want people to leave humming. So uh, it was really fun. Um, one of the, one of the trickier songs to do is the act one finale where Barb Nicole, her husband dies young, spoiler alert. Um, and that's a big plot. There's a, a big key plot element about her husband's death, which we'll let you discover when you see the show. But she, the act one ends at his funeral and everything she's worked hard for is suddenly, she's looking at it being ripped away from her. And so in her moment of deepest grief, she's also, she says, you know what? Screw this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything I can to keep his business alive, our business alive and his memory alive. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a huge risk and make it happen. I'm going to, I'm going to run this business and I'm going to make it a success. And that has been really tricky because in one way, the song is like a badass rock song. And in another way, it is this grief stricken, you know, orchestral cinematic event. So striking the balance of those two worlds and not leaning too far in one direction or the other where it feels like, but is she happy? Or God, that's so gothic and dark. Like there's so many, there's so much range in between, but finding that per the perfect balance has been really tricky. Particularly because the orchestra is already recorded. So we have to use elements we already have in existence uh, to and and turn the dials on it um it's that we're in the middle of that challenge as we speak so stay <laughs> tuned to find out what happens nice. now talking to you guys you can hear the passion for the show um what what drew you to it exactly what what uh, what do you love about this show i love that it's about a person who appears to have um everything going for her but the thing she needs to actualize herself is still out of her reach. Um, she is well positioned in society, it would appear, because she's from a family that has money and, and holdings. But she's living during a time when she is denied the autonomy legally to do or own anything. Uh, under Napoleon, under Napoleonic code, women couldn't own property, couldn't run a business. They, they really were not um, full citizens. Yes. Yeah. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> um, but it, but the show doesn't. It 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 perfectly strikes the balance of of telling the story that is 
both from an, a time long in the past that we're still struggling with those same issues, yeah. but it doesn't do it in a way that is, it's not preachy or on the nose. It's just saying this woman in a time where you would never expect this to happen, did something unbelievable and inspiring and made like made her mark on the world. So it's possible and it's not, didn't threaten anybody. She didn't do it to harm anybody else. She did it because she had passion and she wanted to be extraordinary or she wanted to show the world she was extraordinary. So she did. I just think it's really moving and inspiring. And I think we could use a lot more art that is celebration of triumph without there necessarily being somebody who you have to cut down in your path, you know? There's another dimension to her story that I that speaks loudly to me. Uh, as we said, there's this number called luxury. And on the surface, it would seem like when there are people starving, why are you talking about luxury? Isn't that kind of crass or insensitive? But if you look at it from another angle, I think the word luxury could translate to beauty, which means to me, it's it's not enough to to want bread to feed yourself with. Yes, you need that, but to be dream bigger, to be right, to be human and to fully live, you should you should the pursuit of happiness. You should pursue beauty, pursue yeah. happiness, so that there's a reason to live. Um, and I, I find that really moving. That's fantastic. You've inspired me. Well, I was going to go want to see it anyway and listen to it, but I think the way you describe it is it's incredible. And um, and I can hear the passion for the show. With it's the been really joyful to work on. Yeah. So uh, I want to thank you, uh, Frank and Matt, for coming on and, and talking to us about and introducing the world to Clico and, and what you do. Um, because, again, orchestration and arranging, I have no idea. <laughs> and I thank you for giving us a little insight into it and um, talking a little bit about the show as well. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. It's our pleasure and it's great to meet you. Awesome. So we were speaking with Matt Castle and Frank Angeliano, the orchestrator arrangers of the uh, soon to be released Clico, a revolutionary musical, which drops on April 14th of 2023. You'll have to make sure you check that out. Tune in next week as we'll speak with another guest or guests about their life, love and passion. That is musical theater. I am your host as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you.